Welcome back, everybody. Let's uh, go ahead and turn in our manuals to section two, uh, the title being Our Story and Ministry Model. So uh, our abbreviated story is this. Uh, Christ Presbyterian Church was born on January 4, 1981, when we held our first worship service at Hillsborough High School in Green Hills. Uh, we have had several wonderful pastors who have led us through many chapters and, frankly, through a handful of ups and downs along the way. Uh, the up seasons have been a demonstration of God's kindness, and the down seasons a demonstration of God's sustaining love for His church. You know, Jesus says that it's really hard uh, to put a church in the ground. He says, the gates of hell will not prevail uh, against my bride, and, and that has proven true. Uh, for Christ prez. Thanks be to God. But let's go right back to the middle of that paragraph, uh, right after it says uh, God's sustaining love for his church as evidenced by the fact that we are still here and by the grace of God are still stewards of a very visible, broadly reaching ministry to and beyond the metropolitan Nashville region. Those who've led us as senior pastors include Dr. Cortez Cooper Dr. Peter Doyle, Dr. Charles McGowan, Dr. Ray Ortland, Dr. Wilson Benton, and yours truly. I'm sure you noticed that there is only one senior pastor on that list in our history without the distinguished doctor in front of his name. Uh, that's me, um, but I'm not insecure about it. Uh, okay, so maybe a little bit. So uh, I'm also pleased to say that uh, both Dr. Charles McGowan and Dr. Wilson Benton are at the time of this filming and for the, the past several years, ever since I arrived here, uh, some of my greatest encouragers and supporters and uh, faithfully active uh, members of the Christ Prez family, just incredible uh, leaders in their own right. Uh, so let's go to this next paragraph. Additionally, we became a multi-site church in recent years and have congregations at several locations around the metro area, each of which has its own dedicated pastoral leadership. For information about each of the sites, you can visit our website at ChristPres.org. In retrospect, we also celebrate several Nashville area churches that were formed by people from Christ Presbyterian, including Christ Community Church, Covenant Presbyterian Church, and Midtown Fellowship, to name a few. Now, let's uh, hit pause on me for a few moments so you can listen in on a brief conversation about our multi-site model. Well, hi, my name is Mallory Hammond, and I'm the Director of Kids and Families here at Christ Presbyterian Church. And today, I have two of the pastors from some of our other locations of Christ Presbyterian. We have Stacy Croft from Music Row and Russ Ramsey from Cool Springs. And so we're going to talk to them a little bit about their experience in the multi-site model. So Stacy, what has your experience been being a pastor in the multi-site model? Both the ability to do ministry in a, in a great you know, context like Nashville and plan a church, but do it with others and be connected to both a vision, a mission that of a church that I really believed in and loved and was a part of already, but also to do it with uh, friends and for us to be connected and to continue to grow those friendships. And it's been really a deep joy to see and how we continue to make sense of that as we, you know, expand into other you know, locations and, and have more of that. It's it's nice to not be alone and it's nice to be able to 
link arms and carry that vision and mission out into the city. Yeah. Okay, Russ, so can you tell us a little bit from your perspective what the benefits of being a part of the multi-site model would be in your experience as opposed to being out on your own and independent? What would be the benefits of it? Yeah, so launching a new congregation is hard, no matter how you do it. You're, you're, you're building something from the ground up. And so when you do a multi-site model, one of the things that you get to start with is you get to start with infrastructure. You get to start with um, camaraderie and a team. One of the things I've loved about doing this at Christ Prez is I, as a site pastor, I have this just wall of, of support behind me. Um, I like, I have a, I have a copying machine and I have an HR department and we have a website and we have, um, you know, I have an IT department that helps my laptop work and all that stuff that's kind of built in to what we're doing, which really then frees me up as the, as the pastor, uh, to pastor, uh, to, to be with people, to prepare sermons, to think about our place and where we are in the city and the relationships that we're building. And, uh, that's just a huge benefit to me as as somebody who's starting something new uh, to be able to to have that support behind me. I think another thing that that really is a huge blessing for me as a as a site pastor is I have guys like him and Scott um, as as brothers and friends that I see every week and we're working together toward a common aim and we have a shared mission and shared values and things that we've worked on worked hard on and we have um, you know, elders and deacons and leaders and staff who are behind the vision of what we're doing. And so I feel really supported um, in what we're doing, which is, which, and so it's a lot less lonely. Um, but also it's just, it's, it's really invigorating to, to know that there's so much support that's behind, that's behind what we're doing. Yeah. So you work, you, you work in the children's department here for, for Old Hickory. You lead that team, um, but it's a multi-site model. How has it worked out for you? Like, like, being somebody who leads and directs a department um, for a church that is multi-site and, and expanding. Right. So I, I think there are two immediate benefits that I see. One is really big picture and one is more practical and day-to-day. -day. The big picture benefit is that we feel really passionately as a collective ministry about seeing kids be discipled, seeing parents be equipped to be the primary spiritual nurturers, and that they all have what they need to share their faith publicly in Nashville. So when we have multiple sites around town with that same goal, our reach for all of those things gets so much further than any reach we could have just here at Old Hickory. So I love that we're meeting that aim, but we're able to do it all over town. And then the second thing that I think is really special, which is something we get to enjoy day to day, is that I get to work really closely with the other site directors. And we all have really diverse backgrounds in our education. And so that really benefits each other. So my background is in musical theater. There's another one with a business background and event planning background, another with curriculum and writing. And so we're able, able to bolster each other in those gifts. And I think every congregation gets to be stronger because we're sharing that. And when you have different backgrounds coming together for the same goal, it is really exciting. And our creativity, and our innovation gets to be so much higher. So we share all of the shared benefits of infrastructure, but then all that creativity and that innovation, all for the sake of loving kids and families to life in Nashville. It's yeah. really exciting. That's been a huge benefit for us yeah. has been having you in your department so that when we started, um, having the infrastructure for a kids' ministry, knowing how to divvy up the classes, all that mm -hmm. stuff is so in place 
that on our first Sunday, it felt like we were starting with with a, a kids ministry that that in, in other situations, maybe where you're starting from the ground up would take you a year and a half, yeah. uh, two years to even, even get to, which was very helpful for us. It's just been a, a huge gift to us. Oh, well, thanks. Praise God. That's yeah. awesome. Hope you were encouraged by that little glimpse uh, into our multi-site model. Now I'd like to point your attention back to the notebook, uh, to the new heading where it says our mission, vision, and culture. What I'm about to share with you uh, is actually what you will be signing up to become part of, a supporter of, a champion of, a participator in, uh, in whatever way God leads you. Uh, this mission, this vision, and this culture. This is Christ Presbyterian Church. It's who we're aiming to be. It's what we desire our future to be. It's who we believe God has, has made us to be for this time and for this city and for the world that we're in during this time. So uh, first paragraph, in March 2012, our elders began asking how Christ Pres can preserve its rich heritage of being a life-giving home for our members and a value-adding mission to our city and world in a way that honors our history while also looking to the future. The result of that season is the following commitments related to mission, vision, and culture. So first, our mission. Our mission is to follow Christ in his mission of loving people, places, and things to life. So as you might imagine, every now and then we'll get the question, I understand the people part, but places and things, what does that have to do with God's mission? Well, did you know that in the most famous verse in the Bible, John 3.16, where it says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, uh, the literal word in the Greek is cosmos. God so loved the cosmos. Cos God so loved the universe that he gave his only begotten son. I've already referred in the previous lesson to Romans 8, where it talks about how all of God's creation groans and all of God's creation, along with human beings, along with believers in Christ, is waiting for Jesus to return and set it all free. Uh, like that hymn goes, like we already said uh, in the previous lesson, he comes, Jesus does, to make his blessings flow as far as the curse is found. Uh, a man named Abraham Kuyper once said that God looks at every square inch of his universe and declares it is mine. This has vast implications for us, not only spiritually in our relationship to God through Jesus Christ, but also socially in our relationship with one another and also with our neighbors who don't share our faith and with people all over the world. And it also has vast implications culturally. In other words, how we engage our work, how we engage the world that inhabits the human race and other life forms. Um, okay, so let's go to this next section, which has to do with our vision. As a family united in Christ and led by scripture, we exist as partakers in a movement of God's kingdom that offers spiritual life, public faith, mercy and justice, and the integration of faith and work to the people, communities, institutions, and churches of greater Nashville and through Nashville to the world. So that is our sort of paragraph version of what we are about. We run everything that we try to, try to you know, attempt in ministry. We run every dollar that comes through the offering and then goes out and is deployed through the grid of what I just read to you. And now following our, our culture statement is going to be an expanded version of the vision that I just read to you. But first, the word movement. Let me 
just unpack that a little bit. When we say movement, uh, this is a word that simply means that we are not interested in just building a great church, uh, Christ Presbyterian, but, but we are interested in giving ourselves away. We're interested in being a generous church filled with generous people in order to do our part in helping Nashville to become the greatest possible city that it can for all of its inhabitants, whether they believe as we do or not. In other words, we believe that as Christianity flourishes and as churches flourish in the way that Jesus intends for us to, it's actually going to be better for our entire communities, for our neighborhoods, for the places where we live and work and play. The gospel is supposed to be good news for everyone, including those who don't believe it, because they have neighbors who, filled with the Holy Spirit of Christ, become better neighbors because they are filled with the Holy Spirit of Christ. Uh, so Archbishop William Temple once said, the church is the only society that exists for the benefit of those who are not its members. Uh, our belief is uh, that as a city of influence, uh, Nashville is filled with the arts and entertainment, higher education, government, entrepreneurism, philanthropy, professional sports, healthcare, only to name a few. To the degree that Nashville flourishes, so do the people and the places and things that are touched and influenced by our city. And so as a church, we want to be participants and contributors to that vision any way that we can. You know, in the prophet Jeremiah, he tells the, the Jewish exiles to work hard uh, and strive and pray for the peace of Babylon, uh, which was where they had been taken into exile. Because as that city flourishes, you flourish. And as you flourish, that city flourishes, right? We want to be contributors to, not exploiters of or antagonists toward our city and toward the world. Okay, next, our culture as a church. At Christ Presbyterian, we are a family united in Christ that aspires to be led and formed by Scripture. Together, we will look to the Father's perfect word as given in the Old and New Testaments and as interpreted by the historic ecumenical creeds and Protestant Reformed confessions to form our spiritual life. We will look to Jesus, the Son of God and Savior of sinners, to forgive our sins, to refresh our spirits, to ignite our worship, and to transform our character. We will prayerfully depend on the Holy Spirit, whose power raised Jesus from the dead, to also empower us to live resurrected lives, loving God with our whole selves and our neighbor as ourselves. So if you've been at CPC for any length of time, it shouldn't take you long to notice that we hold to a very high view of the Bible, both the Old Testament and the New Testament. We believe that all 66 books of the Bible are the inspired word of God and are without error in their original Hebrew and Greek manuscripts. Uh, our English translations are also extremely reliable. We especially prefer the English Standard Version, uh, but can also recommend other great options such as the New, Inter New International Version or NIV, the NASB or New American Standard, or, or the CSV, which is a newer translation, the Christian Standard Version. But you know, when we preach, we use, uh, at most of our congregations at least, the, uh, the English Standard Version, but Pick a good translation and stick to it. Um, we believe that, 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 that having a sound understanding of Scripture uh, will 
cause our belief system to be shaped by what the Bible calls sound doctrine. And when the Bible uses the word sound, the literal translation, the little, literal meaning of that word sound in the Greek is healthy. The, in other words, the more shaped our, our, our thought lives and, and, and our patterns of living in uh, uh, the places where we live, work, and play are shaped by the scriptures, by the beliefs, and, and by the, the ethics held forth to us by the scripture, the more healthy our lives will be and the more life-giving our lives will be to the people and places and things around us. Uh, one of the signs of health is that we are growing in what the Bible calls the, the fruit of the Spirit. The list is there uh, in the later chapters of Galatians. Uh, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So, so these fruit will be growing in us as we grow in Christ and as we absorb the truth of Christ as often as we possibly can. That's why we will later in this course and along the way in your, your participation in our church, encourage you to be fully present with a local church every single week and to be fully present with Jesus Christ every single day through the scriptures and through prayer. Um, so we'll get to that later, but, but, but for now, let's go back to this next paragraph. Because Christ's church is called to be a family, we will aspire to share life with one another. In our beliefs and teaching, we will unite around scripture's essential truths while promoting freedom around things about which scripture is flexible or silent. In our worship, we will honor God, gather weekly around the Lord's table, and create belonging for one another and our guests. In our life together, we will honor one another above ourselves as we pursue the Father's vision for welcoming, listening to, loving, confessing, forgiving, serving, comforting, sharing burdens with, caring and praying for, remaining loyal to, and spurring on the best in one another. The Bible is filled with one anothering language, especially in the letters of the Apostle Paul. Uh, he's called us to be a family. Church isn't a club. It's not a social institution. It's not something that you just kind of hang out with for a little while and then move on to the next thing when you get tired of it or bored of it. It's like a family that you press in with and that you struggle with and that you live with and that you rejoice with and that you lament with. It's a family. Next paragraph, we will celebrate our diversity, opening our lives and hearts and homes to sinners and saints, doubters and believers, seekers and skeptics, prodigals and Pharisees, Presbyterians and non-Presbyterians, young and old, married and unmarried, leaders and followers, famous and infamous, our own races and other races, happy and depressed, helpers and those who need help, creative and corporate, conservative and liberal, American and international, affluent and bankrupt, public and private and homeschooled, and all others who enter our doors. We will aspire to expand our us. That's, a, that's language from uh, one of our church members, Brandy Kellett. We will aspire to expand our us by carefully listening to, learning from, and being shaped by one another's unique experiences and perspectives. So the church as family, as opposed to a, an extracurricular activity, a club, uh, a performance event where we go for inspiration or some other consumer good, the church is a family. We see church and want to treat church as the New Testament does. The dominant metaphor in the New Testament for the church is family. There's all this language in the New Testament about how we are sons and daughters of God, 
and how we are fathers and mothers to the young people in our community and how we are brothers and sisters to one another. And we are all God's children and we are all the bride of Christ. All these metaphors and, and, and other words used to drill in the fact that we are meant to be loyal to one another, to strive with one another, to forgive one another, to apologize to one another, to eat and drink together like families do. Uh, and part of this is to pursue relationships within the church with people who have different life experiences, maybe a different generation, a different background, different perspective, different politics, different ethnicity. You know, diversity is ethnic. And when we think about diversity, that's usually where our minds go first. And it's also generational, economic, your zip code of residence, the type of work you do. There are all kinds of diversity that we can lean into so we can all be expanded and grown in our perspectives and our capacity to understand God and the world through one another's eyes. New Testament letters begin, many of them, with these words, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. What, what Paul, especially there, is doing is he's using a Greek salutation, grace to you, and a Jewish salutation, peace to you from God, our Father and the, and the Lord Jesus Christ, to, to signal to the church and to all churches like ours that would come after it, that even Jews and Gentiles, who are polar opposites sociopolitically, um, uh, religiously, uh, in, in terms of their history, ethnically, uh, linguistically, the kinds of diets they kept, the way that they, ra they raised their children, they were different in so many ways, Ideo ideologically. Jews and Gentiles were, were like the, the prototypical opposite. You know, when a Jew thought of a Gentile, the word that came to mind was other and vice versa. And what Paul is doing is saying under Christ, those differences, instead of becoming a source of hostility, become a source of, of growth, mutual encouragement, mutual building up, or spurring one another on, as the book of Hebrews says, toward love and good deeds. You know, we're, we're close to the steeplechase at our old Hickory location, where spurs are often used in the side of a horse. And what the spur does is, is it, is it, presses the horse to, to stop trotting at 10% speed and, and get closer to 100% speed, right? We, we, we want to help each other move toward the 100% version of ourselves uh, by spurring one another on, uh, even through and especially through our differences. And one of the signs, actually, that we're maturing as disciples of Jesus Christ is that our circles of diversity begin to grow and include different perspectives and experiences with each other. Um, so next paragraph. As a church rooted in Jesus Christ, who taught that it is more blessed to give than it is to receive, and that greatness is found through serving, we will aspire to give ourselves away. Indeed, our conservative belief that every word of Scripture is right and good and true will compel us toward liberal lives of generosity and love. We will aim to live not only for ourselves, but as partakers in a movement of God's kingdom. God, because he loves us sweeps us up and includes us along with all of his children everywhere in his mission of loving people, places, and things to life. As his beloved ambassadors, he sends us out to so love the world in hopes of leaving the world better than we found it. We hope to be part of something that adds such value to our city that if Christians disappeared, the whole city would weep. Because Jesus called us to let our light shine so the world will see our good deeds and glorify our Father in heaven, our faith will be a public faith. 
we will aspire to love and serve all our neighbors in the places where we live, work, and play. We will host and encourage civil uh, or kind-hearted, generous-spirited, civil conversations that unite believers, seekers, and non-believers around shared interests in hopes that the truth, beauty, love, and justice of God will be brought to bear on the most central and pressing issues of our time. We will host life-giving parties for our city and for our neighbors as a sign of God's kingdom and of how heaven rejoices when prodigals come home and cynics lay down their defenses and join the celebration. So being public with our faith means, in short, that we want our members to be open and public about their identity as followers of Jesus Christ in the places where they live, work, and play. We are called, among other things in the Bible, ambassadors, salt and light, a city on a hill that should not be hidden, Jesus says. I love what Madeline Lingle says in her book, Walking on Water, uh, her reflections on faith and art. Um, when she talks about Christian identity in the world, and she says, we will draw people to Christ. We Christians will draw people to Christ not by telling them how right we are and how wrong they are, but by showing them a light that is so lovely that they can't help but ask the source of that light. So one of the things that we're going to do as part of this course is to gift you with a copy of a book that I wrote called Jesus Outside the Lines. Uh, this is our best and my best effort in, in book form of encouraging uh, followers of Christ to, um, to grow in this notion of being public with our faith, of being civil and generous of spirit around even difficult conversations like sexuality or politics or, or gender or, or race. Uh, there are chapters on all of these subjects as well as many others that, that, that are really pressing issues of our time that, that, that people in the world are actually having a lot of trouble uh, getting along around these subjects. I personal, personally believe that one of the, the primary opportunities that Christians have in a climate like the one that we're in right now is to be kind. To love well across the lines of difference, I think, is our greatest witnessing opportunity uh, in the world today. I think the world is so thirsty for kindness. The world is so thirsty for a generosity of spirit. So Jesus Outside the Lines, gifted to you. You're not required to read the book for this course or anything else, but if you want to understand more fully and in more detail and, and see pictures painted with different stories and illustrations and such about the tone and culture that we're trying to forge in our church, and, and, and the tone that we're trying to bring out into the world as Christ's ambassadors as a church, uh, this book is our best effort at, at encouraging you to, to join the party, uh, to, to, to be part of that effort, to, 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 to help you become a more kind-hearted, Christ-like person in the places where you live, work, and play. Uh, another uh, way that we bring the church and city together, uh, you know, and this is our emphasis, which you'll hear more about later, of, of befriending and bringing in people who don't have a church family. We really want all of our members to be uh, extra engaged in befriending and bringing in to the church people who don't have a church. Um, part of how we, we help with this process sometimes is we host large parties 
usually around holidays like Christmas and Easter, uh, but also other uh, times of the year where we, we have kids events and student events and, and, and adult events that, that are designed to get Christians and, and those who don't have a church home and who, who maybe are spiritually curious in the same room together, interacting to give space for the Holy Spirit to do his work through those, through those relationships. So let's go to the next paragraph. Uh, although Jesus reserves membership in his church and participation in his table for those who trust him and seek to obey scripture, we will join Jesus in befriending those who do not believe as we do. We will welcome all people into our worship services, parties, conversations, homes, and lives, including those who have misgivings or doubts about the beliefs, ethics, generosity, self-denial, and counter-cultural nature of historic Christianity. In other words, we want to be known as a friend. Our church wants to be known as a friend of those who don't believe as we do. Did you know that one of the qualifications of leadership in Christ's church is that you have a good reputation with those who don't know or love Jesus? There's this life-giving quality that Christians are supposed to have. Acts chapter 2 says that with their non-believing neighbors, Christians in the first century were enjoying the favor of all the people um, because they were taking this, this, this consistent behavior of Jesus and embodying it themselves, where it says in Luke chapter 15, where Jesus was welcoming even sinners, and, eat, and especially sinners, and eating with them. It was a radical thing because religious communities didn't do this. Jesus befriended prostitutes, crooks, bullies like Saul of Tarsus, who eventually became the Apostle Paul, cowards like Peter. Jesus befriended disabled people, uh, people with special needs, people with, with chronic illnesses, people who were sometimes ignored and overlooked, little children, women in that culture. Jesus, Jesus drew out so much dignity from every kind of person, and the church did the same, and that's how the church grew. That's how the church actually uh, transformed the, the entire fabric of the Roman Empire by the third century AD through a life of love. Again, like what Madeline Lingle said, not by telling people how right we are and how wrong they are. Far be it from us to be so arrogant, right? Far be it from us to be so, so cocky, right? But by showing them a light so lovely through love. We want you to live a life of love uh, in the church and outside the church. Next paragraph, this is one of the ways that we do this. This is something I'm so excited about because I think our church, there's such energy around this next paragraph in our church. As Christ's ambassadors to our neighbors in need, we will aspire to live lives of mercy and justice. We will give special attention to and generously channel our resources toward improving conditions and systems, whether spiritual, social, economic, or vocational, for the poor, immigrants and refugees, ethnic and other minorities, and others who lack resources, opportunity, or privilege. We will embrace the idea that as conditions improve for those who have power, conditions must also improve for those who lack power. You could also put wealth in there. And never at their expense. For wealth, privilege, and power are given to be stewarded and shared for the benefit of all, not protected and kept merely for the benefit of some. So Jesus' inaugural sermon, his coming out uh, into the public sermon in Luke chapter 4, was on a text from Isaiah where it says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me, and he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. Jesus had 
a soft spot in his heart for those who were the underdogs, for the weak, for the poor, for the broken, for the downtrodden. Jesus gave special attention to those people groups, and he encourages his people to follow suit, to be open-handed toward the poor, to give, even it says in Deuteronomy, until the need is gone. In the book of Acts, I think it's the fourth chapter, it says that no person in the church, no Christian said that, that his or her possessions belonged to them. And as a result of that, as a re- result of a radical culture of voluntary generosity and voluntary, non-coerced, voluntary sharing, there were no needy people among them. Isn't that unbelievable? Burden-bearing. This is a hallmark of the Christ Presbyterian culture. I'm telling you, Um, this is a place where you want to be. This is a community that you want to be part of and close to and embedded in if you're going through hard times. Uh, People respond here quickly and comprehensively when people are hurting, when people are struggling, when marriages are hard, when children are running astray, when there's an illness, when there's a death around the corner, when there's a death that just happened, when an addiction has occurred. This is a rallying church around uh, the ministry of care, which is, which is close to the heart of Jesus Christ. There's also a church that's radically involved and engaged financially and, and by deploying people uh, with various partnerships that serve the most underserved communities uh, in our city. Burden-bearing is central to the mission of God. It's actually an acid test for faith. If you don't care about the poor, it, it raises the question as to whether or not you've really come to know Jesus in the way that Jesus wants you to come to know him. Because where he is, there we will also be uh, to the degree that we love the things he loves. Um, So, next paragraph. As those who have been called into the world by Christ to serve him in our work, we will aspire to eliminate the false dichotomy of sacred versus secular. We will affirm that every good work, whether creative or restorative, is no less God's work than the work of pastors and missionaries. We will commit our resources to train, equip, and resource Christians for the integration of faith and work in hopes that people and institutions representing church, business, education, the social sector, the arts and entertainment, government and media, and other channels of influence will approach their work with tenacity, purpose, and confidence that their work contributes meaningfully to God's mission to heal the world. You might have noticed in our worship service, we we very regularly... Uh, throughout the year, we'll pray for people who are working in various industries because we believe that those 40 to 60 hours a week that, 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 that so many of you spend in the workplace, by the way, the workplace includes the home for those who are vocationally, primarily their primary vocation is, is parenting. Um, you don't have to make money for it to be called work, right? But, but, but we want to, to, to affirm over and over and over and over again that, that every job that involves creative elements or restorative redemptive elements whether you're, you're, you're creating something new for the human community and for the betterment of people, places, and things, or for the restoration and recovery and healing of people, places, and things, if your work has anything to do with any of that, your work is just as much God's work as mine is. Uh, we, we want to elevate the dignity and significance of all work. It's the very first thing that God reveals about himself in the Bible. In the beginning, God created. After God created, God looked back and said that what he created was good. We are meant, like God, as his image bearers, to be diligent, 
uh, hardworking people who look back on the work that we've done with a sense, sense God willing, of, of pleasure in what God has allowed us to be part of. What's the Great Commission? Trick question. The first Great Commission is all the way back in Genesis. Aha, you thought that I was going to go straight to Matthew 28, where Jesus said, go out into the world to make disciples. Now, that is a Great Commission, but it's not the first one he gave us. The first Great Commission that God gave to Adam and Eve and to the whole human race was to tend his garden, which is a, which is a, a metaphor for, for all work, to tend to our work diligently, faithfully, knowing that it's the Lord Christ that we're serving, even as we serve the world through our work by serving our work. Okay, next paragraph. Finally, because God's kingdom is much greater than a single church, we will pray and work for the flourishing of all people and not just our people, of all churches and not just our church, of all cities and not just our cities, and of all nations and not just our nation. We will do this chiefly by making disciples, equipping leaders, creating and sharing content, and starting new like-minded congregations, including cross-denominational and cross-cultural ones throughout greater Nashville and also the globe. Um, here's, a value, here's a valuable lesson that I learned from my mentor, Tim Keller, whom I served alongside for several years at Redeemer Presbyterian in New York City. Tim Keller not only taught this, he lived it. Other churches are not our competitors. Other churches are not our competition. We are on the same team. Uh, this is why when we do prayers of the people in our services, we always make effort to pray for other churches locally and nearby by name because we want other churches to flourish. It takes all kinds of churches to reach all kinds of, of people in this, this rapidly growing city in which we reside. Uh, we are church positive, not only toward our church, but toward every gospel-believing church in our city. And so, so we ask our members to assume a generous posture toward other churches. Don't dog other churches in your conversations. Don't, don't, don't say critical things. Don't, don't, say don't, don't spread negative gossip about other worshiping communities. Uh, remember, it's the bride of Christ you're insulting uh, if you do that. And so, you know, treat her with respect. Treat her with dignity. Treat her with the honor that is hers because Christ lived and died for her. Okay, last paragraph here. Because our city is a strategic hub for multiple spheres of impact, we will expect any movement of God's kingdom in greater Nashville to also extend beyond Nashville to the world. We will pursue and embrace opportunities to share our resources and capital, whether spoken, written, creative, financial, relational, professional, or otherwise, toward Jesus's vision to bless and heal the world. As we do this, we will celebrate wherever, whenever, and through whomever God chooses to grow his kingdom. We will not concern ourselves with who gets the attention or the credit. Our task is to advance his fame and glory, not our own. For it is from him and to him and through him that are all things. Uh, now, one more thing <clears throat> that is unique about Christ Pres is that we have an academy that bears our name, that sits on our old hickory Boulevard property, and uh, I'm going to point you now to uh, a statement made by yours truly and uh, Nate Morrow, who is the head of school at CPA. So I'd like to introduce you to my friend, Nate Morrow. Nate is the head of school at Christ Pres Academy, which is situated on the backside of the campus at the Old Hickory 
location of Christ Presbyterian Church. Nate is a good friend. Uh, if you attend church uh, specifically at Old Hickory, you've probably met him at some point in the hallways or around communion. Uh, he and his family are faithfully members of our church. And uh, what we like to say uh, both at the church and at the academy is that we are a church for all schools, and the academy is a school that is for all churches. Uh, Christ Pres Church has over 50 schools, including CPA, uh, but has over 50 schools represented in its student ministry in CPC Kids in the same way that CPA has well over 50 churches represented in the families that are part of CPA and have their kids uh, attending school there. Um, and so really what we want to say around that is that both the church and the academy want to adopt a generous posture toward the whole city and toward all schools and toward, toward all churches. So that, that doesn't mean we're just a church for all schools and a school for all churches. We're actually a church for all churches and a school for all schools, um, which means that if you are part of CPC, but you're not part of CPA, that doesn't make you a lesser member any, any more than it makes you a lesser member family at CPA if you're not a member of CPC. So we want to be clear about that. Um, we also want to be clear that uh, if you're not part of CPA, but you are part of CPC, uh, that you can be confident that CPA is carrying forth the beliefs, the theology, the mission, the vision, the discipleship model of CPC in the lives of the students and families that are involved at CPA, whether they're, they're part of our church or not. Uh, in other words, just like NIFW or any other organization or ministry, the student ministry or the women's ministry, just like all of these other ministries are seeking to embody all the things you're hearing in CPC 101, Christ Pres Academy is attempting to do that with the students and the families, regardless of where they go to church. So you can feel good about that, even if you're not part of the academy. And you can especially feel good about it if you are part of the academy or if you're considering the academy. And so uh, those things being said, I'll, I'll turn it over to Nate, who's got uh, some words to share as well. Yeah. So uh, what I want to say is we are a ministry of Christ Pres Church, as Scott has said, and in and, and being that, we want to follow Christ Pres Church as a value add to our city. Uh, we want to know that the education we're providing is really for the benefit of all, uh, whether you are a church member or a school member or both. Uh, and really, um, if you are interested in looking at CPA, I want to invite you to come over and take a look. And hopefully a couple things you'll see. One, you're going to see men and women committed to the gospel and using the vehicle of education to teach and reveal the truth of Jesus Christ. Uh, that we get to look at the unique design of every, ch every child and help them discover who God has already declared them to be. Um, and so we also, we don't wanna just give opportunity uh, for you to come check out CPA. We also wanna let you know that we're committed to the accessibility of CPA. And so there's need-based aid available as well. Now, if you are not a member of uh, CPA, and we want you to know that you are exactly where you're supposed to be, all right? Whatever school you're in, uh, we're a believer that, that, that a rising tide brings up all boats and that a great educational, uh, a city committed to a great education is a benefit to all of its community members. And so I just want to encourage you, wherever you are, dig in. If that's with us, dig in. If that's somewhere else, dig in. Because as Scott said, 
we are a church for all schools. We're a school for all churches. And we are a church that celebrates the school, that it's its ministry, and we're a school that celebrates being a ministry of a church. Thank you. Hope you enjoyed that video from Nate Morrow and myself. I'd like to bring it home here by pointing you to the last part of this section where it says preview six key practices. Uh, in the next section, we're going to explore the three key building blocks of discipleship and their corresponding key practices to each. Uh, together, these will form the pathway for participating in the mission, vision, and culture described above. The more engaged you are in each of the following practices, the more enriching your participation in the life and ministry of Christ Pres will be, both for you and for our community, and also, for that matter, for our city. First is worship practices. Practice one will be to be fully present with the church every single Sunday. Number two, to be fully present with Jesus every single day. And then there are the two connect practices to take every opportunity to gather with your group and to befriend and bring in people who don't have a church. And then there are the serve practices to strengthen the church by serving and giving and then to enhance flourishing by serving your work, your world, and people in need. So in section three, Pastor Russ Ramsey will unpack these in a more comprehensive fashion. Thanks.